0: Wow, what a great presence of God. Lord, we open our heart to you. Let your word find a place in our heart and bring fruit in our life that we might not just have an experience but live a life that honors you and that brings forth fruit that honors you. Let us not be casual anymore but committed, set apart, living as set apart people. Lord, we give you the honor. We feel your presence here. We know Lord, you can do many things in lives and hearts today. Many people will experience the reality of your presence and power. We give you all the honor. Or just for a moment more, just, just let your heart dwell on him. Let your heart dwell on him. Our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, throne. As I said, he said, in the year King Uzziah died, Uzziah is a picture of pride, self-centeredness, self-promotion. He said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on a throne. His train filled the temple. And above it was seraphim each with six wings, with two he did cover his eyes, two he did cover his feet, two he did fly. And one cried to the other, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with your glory, and the posts of the doors of the house shook at the voice of him who spoke. And the smoke, and cloud of his glory, filled the house. We hunger for your presence to fill the house. For physical manifestations of your presence and power. We honor you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And with that presence came great conviction. As I said, then said I, "I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of an unclean generation." And the angel took a coal of fire from the altar before the Lord, and touched his lips, be clean. heard the voice of the Lord saying who shall go for us who shall we send as he engaged God in worship as he let the cleansing work of God take place in his life he caught the heart of God for the lost, for the broken who shall we send who will go on our behalf and speak, and minister, and reveal the goodness of God. And then said I, Lord, here am I. Send me. To be an apostolic people is to be a sent people. God wants you to live as an apostolic person, living in the presence of God, carrying the presence of god receiving revelation and insight from the lord and carrying his heart and his presence and power to a people who are broken in need god is still saying who will go for us who shall we send life of purpose, as one sent, commissioned from heaven, authorized to bring heaven to earth. Let me live that way, Lord, not be seduced by what's around. Thank you for your presence. Amen. Amen. Please take a seat. What a great presence of God, isn't it? Amazing. Wonderful. Thank you, worship team, for your serving and helping the church. Wow, what a joy to be here again. I just, I love it when the meeting's like this. There's just something about the presence of God like this. Just want to dwell there and stay in his presence. Perhaps for some of you, you've come from somewhere else and haven't experienced that before. Well, I encourage you to carry what God gives you here. Amen. I want you to, uh, I want to just pick up where I was last week. Last week, I talked about joy, the joy of the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord and stirring joy in the Lord. And you could, you would have felt in the meeting today, as as we stirred praise, joy become activated. Did you notice that? That we have the joy of the Lord inside us, but... It's often not activated and people live out of the soul. But when we give ourselves to God and begin to praise, then something shifts and changes. And if you didn't break through into that, probably something is still holding you. And we're going to get to that a little later in in this message. And uh, so one of the things that's uh, very, very clear is that right through the Bible, from one end to the other, God desires a relationship with man. Right from the very beginning, God established a relationship with man, a daily connection And God desired to extend his government through the earth. In other words, that man would act as the representative of God and extend his kingdom through the earth by accessing the supernatural realm, the supernatural power of God. That is the norm. That's what God's intention is. God has never changed his intention. God continues to have that as his intention. And so... Uh, We see, as we read through the Bible, we find the fall of Adam and the loss of his power and authority and the entrance of destruction and wars and catastrophes into the earth. And then we see through the Bible many, many different ways in which God began to unveil that he still intended to live among men. And so from one end of the Bible to the other, you'll find the revelation of God's desire to live among people, to dwell in the earth. So you've got to break away from this concept that God's in heaven and we wait to die to go to heaven. No, no, God wants you to learn to how to find access through Jesus Christ so the realities of heaven increasingly manifest in your life. Joy is just one of those things. Peace is another one of those things. The life and the power of God is another thing. And, and so God wants to manifest those things in our lives. So through the Bible, we find different natural things. And they are all pointing to the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. So we find uh, God setting up dwelling places. And we're gonna look at the dwelling place, one of the dwelling places of God today. And uh, we see, first of all, Moses' tabernacle, which was a tent that constantly moved, led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Then there was a tent for a season called David's tabernacle. David's tabernacle was full of worship and praise twenty four seven then there was a permanent fixture solomon 's temple, and the Bible tells us the glory of the Lord filled that temple and Then Jesus came and said, "Now I am the temple of God, and he began to show or move that the the reality of what God was wanting us to understand is that the true temple of God would be a man and a woman in filled with the spirit of God so so we see as you read through the Bible, then there are physical pictures there are stories which are natural but they all point to spiritual things so when a lot of people read the bible they because of a lack of revelation by the holy ghost it's all just like lots of stories that you can't make any sense of and many people look at the old testament they can't work it out but they don't understand that the riches of everything god has prepared for us are hidden throughout the bible sprinkled everywhere for those who have a heart that's hungry for god and understand how to read and look into and see what these things are speaking of and so that's what i want to do I want to help you see that today so i'm going to read a, a passage for you and uh it, it talks about jesus christ and uh we'll find that right through the bible god uses natural things to help you see what the spiritual reality is so every time you see something natural in the old testament you've got to Look past the natural, what is it trying to portray or speak to us of spiritual realities that we can access today? And you you find that even in Jesus' teaching. He taught the fundamental parable of the kingdom is the story of the sower and the seed that's an easy story to understand the sower sows the seed the seed is sown and ground the ground brings forth fruit there it is and then he illustrates it that the seed is the word of god in other words the story is natural but it has a spiritual application very deep and he says the seed is the word of god and it has the power to change your life and produce fruit in your finances marriage and family in every area of your life however The seed has to be sown in the ground. The ground is the heart of man. And depending on your heart condition, you can get excited about the word of God, walk out and have no fruit. You can get excited about the word of God. And then after a little while, when pressure comes, as you try to live it out, then you give up. And then you can become excited about the word of God, but you're too busy with other things and it all chokes out what God is trying to say. Or you can be the good ground that brings forth the fruit. So, In other words, Jesus says that's a fundamental parable. It's a story that's natural, but it is about how the kingdom operates. Everything is about how your heart responds to the word of God, whether you will respond or not. So let's go and read and open up the word of God. In 1 Peter 2, verse 6. 1 Peter 2, verse 6, and he says, uh, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious. And he that believes on Him shall not be put to shame. I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. Now, if you've got no understanding of the Bible, what Zion is, then it doesn't make a lot of sense. But uh, I'll open it up and show you what it means shortly. And it says in Ephesians two twenty, you were built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets; Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. So in, in, the, in the Hebrew, with the building, they're built with blocks. Everything was built with stones. And one of the, funda- the fundamental stone in every building was the cornerstone. The cornerstone was the one everything else aligned up with. So if you didn't line up with the cornerstone, then you got the walls out of line, and everything depended on uh, it being aligned correctly with the cornerstone. And so using the picture of a building, it says that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone He is precious, he is chosen by God, he's despised and rejected of man, yet God has raised him up and made him the chief cornerstone. In other words, your life must be aligned and built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, a revelation of who he is and an encounter and experience and a living, ongoing relationship with him. In other words, you notice with the the blocks of a building, they always stay in alignment with the cornerstone if they're to become the building. And so it points out very, very clearly that God wants our lives connected to Jesus Christ because every stone is connected to him and aligned with him means instead of looking to what people are saying and what people are doing and what's happening in the world, we make Jesus Christ our center, our focus. He becomes the one you line your life up on. You start to line your life up on people, you'll get into trouble because people fail and fall and do weird stuff. But when we set our eyes on Jesus Christ, we have a foundation which is tried and true. He's a precious cornerstone. And the Bible says our lives are built on that cornerstone. And so we're to make that decision to build an intimate relationship with Jesus, lining our lives up on his teaching and his words. So that means you need to learn the Bible. You need to read the Bible. You need to find what Jesus had to say because he had something to say about every area of life. And so as we align our life, we become, as the Bible says, we become like the house built on the rock that when the storms come, then you don't shake. Instead of being the person who's like on the sand and he falls over when the pressure comes. So you want your life strong this year, want your life stable this year, become a student of the Word of God, not just to read it and study it, but learn how to apply it and put it systematically, intentionally, you will act on what God says to you. At the end of every service, you should ask yourself two questions. One, what did God speak to me about in this service? And number two, what will I do? What does He want me to do? What action should I take? If you start to do that, you become built upon that rock because you're starting to flow out of revelation, not just having information, being in a meeting. We become addicted to information, messages, oh, great message, oh, great message. Well, then what did God say to you, and what are you doing about it? And and if God didn't say anything to you, you didn't hear God, or you didn't act on what God said, then it's just like you're deceiving yourself, thinking you're doing better than you really are. And that's what happens. We get used to being fed. We're used to a great atmosphere. But the key thing is, are you moving forward in your life? Is your life changing because you're aligning with Jesus Christ and the Word of God? That's the key thing. <laughs> okay, then. Now, notice what he says. He says, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. So I want to ask the question, what is Zion? Because the Bible has a whole lot to say about Zion, and uh, you've probably heard the word a little bit. But we want to help open it up and show you what Zion is and help you understand it. First of all, Zion, uh, Zion in the Bible represents three things. Three things. He said, I will lay a cornerstone in Zion. So what is Zion? Okay. Firstly, Zion was a stronghold. It was occupied by the Jebusites and it was a formidable fortress on the hill called Mount Zion in the city of Jerusalem, where Jerusalem now is. There's a place where this hill is. You can actually go there and see it. It's a very high location, ideal location for a fortress, very difficult to take. And so it was a stronghold. It's a stronghold of the Jebusites. And David, came and David took that city and the Bible says he made it his citadel. He built it up and made it a fortified place. So Zion, the first meaning of Zion, Zion represents then the city of David where David the king lived. Now remember David, Jesus is called the son of David. So every time we talk about David and about the city of Zion or the, the, the city of Zion, we need to understand it's talking about something deeply spiritual. So you've got to look at the natural, learn what you can from it, and then eight, this is what this is referring to. And so we find first, the first reference then is that Zion is the stronghold or the place that David took. And it tells us there in uh, 2 Samuel 5 verse 7, David took the stronghold of Zion, the fortified uh, stronghold. And they mocked him. They said, you never take it. And yet he took it. He took it, they climbed up through the water pipe and they took the city. And so it became his stronghold. It became the city of David. It became where David began to exercise his government over the nation of Israel. So now you' don't understand, the first thing is, it is a fortified place. It's a place of refuge. It's a place of safety. See, and you'll find if we look at Jesus Christ, he is a place of safety. The name of the Lord is a strong and a mighty tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. So the first thing about Zion was it was fortified to protect against the enemies. Now, later on, Zion became uh, became the name given it included not just the city the the city of david but also the temple mount mount moriah where david built where eventually the temple in jerusalem was built you can go there now you can see uh, the uh, mosque that's up on the place where uh, the temple was uh, believed to have been uh, constructed and uh, we see there you go there that's called mount moriah it's the place that david had an encounter with the angel it's the place where he paid a price to buy that threshing floor. It was a high place. And then it's where he built a temple. And so the Bible also then refers to Zion. And so many times Zion refers to the city or the, it becomes to include Mount Moriah and the city of Jerusalem. So primarily it was a stronghold. Then it referred to the temple and the city of Jerusalem primarily the focus of the temple. Notice what it is. The temple was the center of worship and the center of all of the activities in Israel. I'll show you why this is so important. Remember we talked last week about praise and worship and joy. Now you're going to see some biblical patterns as to why this is so important. Now remember God is wanting to extend his kingdom on the earth through a man. So the first man fell. So now we're getting Pictures through the Bible of God restoring his purpose. So God raises up David. David has a stronghold, a city, a place. Now at the center of that place, he has a temple where there is 24 hours of worship a day, seven days a week. It was the temple. It was filled with praise. It was filled with worship. We're going to talk about some more about that in a moment. Let me just give you a couple of verses. And it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, Psalm 65 verse 1, Praise awaits for you, O God, in Zion. So Zion, whatever it means, is a place filled with praise. In other words, it was characterized by praise and worship. 2 Chronicles chapter 5 verse 12, it says the Levites who were singers, and all the, those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun and their sons and brethren stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments of harps, 120 priests sounding. Imagine 120 trumpets. Now, I would love 120 trumpets here. Now, that has got to be a noise. That has got to be a noise. But that wasn't just all. They had all these stringed instruments, multitudes of stringed instruments, and singers and everyone. It says, when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound, to be heard, praising and thanking the Lord, when they lifted their voice with the trumpet and cymbals and instruments and music, and praised the Lord or saying, oh my, we were doing this this morning, for He is good. God is so good. They were all in unity, and they had all of the instruments out, wound up, wound up, and they began with unity, united voice began to sing, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. And it said, and then the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now, I don't know whether you have ever taken time to imagine. I remember going there and standing and looking at the temple steps and then weeping as I could. Remember verses in the Bible. And what? imagine what it must have been like to live in a city and the center of the city is a raised place and there's a mighty majestic temple there. It's filled with the glory of God. And 24 hours a day when you come, you can hear the voice of singers singing and worshiping and praising the Lord. God is so good. And they would change them every year. They change them and change them and change them. So they're fresh and they're constantly worshiping God. Why is this? Because God's Plan is that he inhabits the earth or heaven meets earth through the realm of praise and worship. Heaven and earth come together when we give ourselves to praise him and worship him and we begin to pray, we begin to fast, we begin to make our lives a place of prayer. Heaven begins to manifest in the earth. David governed from that city. And in the season that he governed and was king, he expanded the kingdom till till the nation of Israel became a great and a powerful nation that conquered all the enemies and gained back the land that God had promised them. Most phenomenal season in the history of Israel when David advanced the kingdom. But the core of it was his passion for the house of God. His passion for the presence of God. His constant attendance at Mount Zion in the presence of God. That's the secret to David. One thing have I desired of the Lord. Psalm 27, 4. That will I seek after. May I may dwell in the house of the Lord to behold the beauty of the Lord. Encounters with God. Experiencing heaven, becoming Into earth, you understand. David became a mighty king because the spirit of might, the spirit of God, rested on him. This is not natural ability. This is not normal giftings. This is not your talents. This is God's power flowing on a man, and he was never defeated in battle. How amazing! How, but this is a pattern. This is a heavenly pattern. David, King David. David, Jesus called the Son of David. He was a man of prayer, he was a man of worship, he was a man of intimacy, he was a man of fasting, he was a man who carried heaven and manifested in the earth. So these Old Testament pictures are so wonderful because they give us insights of it. The dwelling place. So the third thing was Zion was the dwelling place of God. It's the place where God dwells with people. But actually, we, t- we find that God's intention is, Zion's not a city, it's not a temple, it's a people. Let me give you a verse. Let me read this verse here. Look at this. Psalm 132, verse 3. For the Lord has chosen Zion, is God's choice. He has desired it. So God has a desire. He has desired it for his habitation. He says, and this is what it says This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. Now, notice it talks about desire, God's desire. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He chooses people to become a habitation. He desires to inhabit your life. He desires to fill your life. He desires for His presence to be manifest in your life. He desires for His power to flow through your life. He desires those things. Look what it says about Zion. It says, he said, the Lord has chosen Zion. If I desire it, I will abundantly bless her provision. In other words, when we are flowing and becoming the Zion of God, then our provision is blessed. That means God provides. He gives you favor. He opens doors for you. He gives contracts. He gives promotions. I will bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. So God promises in Zion, there is the blessing of supernatural provision. How about that. I will clothe the priests with salvation and their saints shall shout aloud for joy. So it says so this this place called Zion is a people that God inhabits and they're full of joy and God is providing supernaturally for them. I will clothe them with salvation. What does that mean? It means you'll be saved. It means healing. It means deliverance. It means setting free from oppression. You're clothed with salvation. You're set free from the devil's works. Come on, get excited. eh? Man, I feel such an enthusiasm and a passion as I see God's plans right there in in Psalm 76 verse 8 the lord has chosen the tribe of judah the mount zion he loved so judah was the tribe chosen by god judah means praise out of all the 12 tribes of israel jesus god chose one judah judah was the one he chose in favor judah means praise judah always went up first into the battle He said, I've chosen Judah, the Mount Zion I have loved. In other words, he's saying, I love people praising me, honoring me, thanking me. I love it when people by faith in the midst of adversity praise and worship me. This is what I love. Notice this. Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah, in other words, not only was that, what, this, what that verse is saying, like, when it says the Lord has chosen the tribe of Judah, what it's saying is that through the tribe of Judah, God was going to raise up first David, who's from Judah, He'd raise up David to give you an example what kingship looks like, what the presence of God coming into the earth looks like. And then down the line of David, he would raise up someone called the son of David and he would be the lion. This is the Zion. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself became the full dwelling place of God, the temple of the Holy Ghost. Healed the sick, ministered to the brokenhearted. See? So what was Zion known for? There are several things it was known for. Number one, perpetual music. Number one, perpetual music. 24-7, there was worship, there was singing, there was praising. There was an atmosphere built by people that God chose to dwell. You are enthroned or you inhabit the praises of your people. You create the atmosphere or you yield to the atmosphere. So when you go out into that world, there's a passive atmosphere of unbelief and skepticism you can let it settle on you and become like that or you can create an atmosphere in your life by your praying by your fasting by your declaring by (laughs) lifting up the name of the Lord that's what we have to choose to do this year to build a greater habitation for God perpetual worship what was the center it was all centered around the ark of the covenant the Ark of the Covenant was a wooden box covered in gold. And above that were some uh, two angels that hovered over it. This is exactly the vision that Isaiah had. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on a throne. Above it, cherubim, seraphim. See? So, and it says, if you looked at that box, the box... The, the, the seat of the box or the covering of the box is called the mercy seat. This is the place. Jesus is our mercy seat. We meet with God in the place of mercy. Inside the box, there were supernatural things. There was the pot of manna, speaking of God's supernatural provision. In the presence of God, when we're living and walking in the Spirit of God, there is supernatural provision. Secondly was Aaron's rod that supernaturally budded, speaking of authority. When you're living in the presence of God, then there is authority to overcome demons, overcome circumstances. And who spoke also had the tables of stone, the word which is a picture of revelation, God speaking to us, and also conviction that the word brings of our necessity to repent and change. That was the center around which they worshiped. That was where the presence of God came. I've often thought about that, what it must have been like to be in the city of Jerusalem and to hear the voice of the singers and know the presence of God was there, that it came so thick, the presence of God, that no one could even stand. How amazing, but that's only the natural. We're called to something bigger, not a natural house. We're to become the house. This is the honor God has given you. Become his house, not just individually, but also corporately. So the first thing was there was perpetual worship. Second was prophetic revelation. Constantly the singers and the singers and the instrumental people had to move in prophetic. So there's a constant flow of prophecy, meaning the prophetic gift is flowing. Isn't this interesting? That when you, get born, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, there are two things happen. One, you get the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues enables you to bless God, praise God, wish you become Zion. You are able now to exercise a gift to access the realm of the supernatural. rule. Secondly, every person baptized in the Holy Ghost is able to prophesy. How about that? Prophesy over yourself. Prophesy over your family. Prophesy. Prophesy means speaking the inspired word of God. Speaking God's word over your life, speaking it over your circumstances, speaking it over your family, speaking it over your finances, speaking it over your ministry, speaking it over the church and its pastors, speaking it over the city, speaking it over lost family members. You, you, you understand, these Old Testament things are to become a New Testament reality. It's yet we just get dull. We think, oh, you get baptized in spirit, speak in tongue, yeah. Oh, so what? It's because you lack understanding of what this was meant to do. You've got to go back and look at the pictures, and then you start to see the revelation. Out of God's presence would come a flow of provision and power and authority in the life of the believers. This is what God was looking for. He never worried too much about what was happening naturally. It's always what was spiritual that he was interested in. So so David commissioned the worship 24-7. Why? Because he wanted to host the presence of God. Why? Because he understood that the purpose of God was the kingdom manifesting in the earth. So the whole of David's victories, authority, the way the nation was built, all centered around this worship that went on at the center of it. Now, the impact on allies is that what's going on in your secret place with God brings the overflow of whether you have authority to command demons, minister the power of God, bring blessing, bring provision, all those kind of things comes out of the secret life with God, which Jesus then, the son of David, demonstrated. So, now notice this, that Zion, Zion has always been the center of conflict. It's always been the center of conflict. You look through the history of the world. If I I look right now in the news, what's the one place in the world that's always in the center of intention? It's Israel. And what part of Israel? Jerusalem. What is Jerusalem? This is the center of God's government naturally in history, so the devil is contending to shut it down. So if God is wanting to flow through you, there will be a contention every day of your life to stay in the spirit and be who God called you to be always be a contention it's called a spiritual warfare every believer will have a spiritual warfare over first of all your identity in Christ and then the blessings of God and then the ministry God has for you so so it's always been the center of warfare and it's still there it's still a place of conflict when you go there now it's still a place of conflict and it will remain there till the coming of the Lord so, so, so when, it, when the Bible talks about Mount Zion, the city of the living God, there's lots of scripture. I can't give them all. Uh, it, it also uses Mount Zion. It uses the word Mount Zion, meaning a mountain. When it's talking about a mountain, it's talking about a spiritual kingdom. So Jesus said, speak to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. He's speaking of a spiritual kingdom. You need to confront it. So Mount Zion is a spiritual kingdom. But they also use many pictures for the same thing. So he said, Mount Zion is also the house of the Lord. Look at this. Look at this. Let me read you a couple of scriptures here. Now, mountain is a picture of of a kingdom. But look at this. In in Isaiah chapter two, it says, here's the word of the Lord that came to Isaiah concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days. That's the latter days is the days we live in. It says, the mountain of the Lord's house. In other words, it's just making the two the same. That the spiritual kingdom of God will flow through the house of the Lord. And it says, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. Now, you just want to stop and think about this. This has not been yet fulfilled. This is a promise of what is going to happen for the church in the end times. He said that the mountain of the Lord's house, in other words, the spiritual kingdom, which is the, king, the house of God, it said it shall be exalted above all other spiritual kingdoms, exalted above. In other words, it will become the predominant force throughout the world, and all, nat- all nations will flow into it, into the house of the Lord, into the church of the living God. So that's God's desire. Now, how many think God can do what he wants to do? How many understand if that's God's plan, he's going to achieve it? The only question is whether you'll be part of it. It It's a question whether you'll be part of it, whether you'll understand this is what his plan is to do, is to lift up his people, to lift them up into a place of honor, lift them up to a place of favor, lift them up to blessing, lift them up to a place of authority. And ultimately, become the deciding voice in the world. Come on, anyone excited about that? And many people shall say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. He will teach us of his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion, there it is, out of Zion shall go out of the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he'll judge between the nations. So you see there, again, this is a prophetic picture that God is going to get the job done. He's going to make it happen. He's going to make it great again. <laughs> How about that? Okay, so notice it. He said, he said in Isaiah 56 verse 7, I will bring them to my holy mountain. I'll make them joyful in my house of prayer. See, the house of the mountain are the same. So God's pattern for the house is that it be a place of prayer and worship. See, Jesus said, I'll build my house, I'll build my church. But most people think of the church got wrong concepts. The word church that Jesus used was the word ecclesia, and it referred to the Roman and Greek gathering of people for governmental decisions. Straight after that, he says, and I will give you keys of the kingdom, and you will bind on earth, and it shall be bound also in heaven. You understand his thinking is completely consistent. We get an idea of the church based on our experience or painful failure or whatever, and we don't get the vision that Jesus has. This is what he gave his life for. This is what he gave his life for. Not just so people could come to church. He gave his life that the people of God could become the Zion of God. They could become the dwelling place of God. That God would find yielded, surrendered lives, holy lives, set apart lives that he could work through and bring healing and salvation and freedom and life and love to people. You call for that. You're called to be that. You're called to be that. That's God's plan. It is the plan. There isn't another plan. Jesus said, I give you authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, all the power of the enemy. In other words, He saying, see, this is what comes out of our connection with Christ. We become the Zion of God. We become the people of God. We become the place of his presence dwelling and manifest if we're people of prayer. My house shall be a house of prayer. What should you be doing? First of all, prayer, worship, intimacy with God. That's why we start the year with prayer Fasting, it's not just about going without food and having a little bit of prayer time. It's about engaging God with hunger for miracles through the year. You need a vision for the outcome through the year, not just, well, oh, i got to give up a bit of food, see? So, so in the Bible, Zion is contrasted with another city called Babylon. So basically, there are two cities in the world, two and two only. There's Zion, the city of the living God, and there's Babylon. And the Bible describes Zion right through the Bible. And it also talks about Babylon. Babylon uh, was a city that began, uh, uh, you remember the Tower of Babel, but it began with Nimrod. Nimrod was a person who was against the Lord. Uh, he was a man. Uh, uh, Babylon was actually located, uh, interestingly enough, in Iraq, just a, just a little about 100 kilometers south, east, southwest of Baghdad. That's where it was located. Iraq. Okay? Iraq. Okay, it was overtaken by the Persians. That's Iran. And they took it all over and they conquered there and eventually they brought the people of God into captivity. Interestingly enough, that uh, what they worshipped there was they worshipped three main gods. One of them was the god ba- Baal or Baal. And the second one was the moon god, which was represented by the crescent, which is also the symbol of Islam. Babylon, same spirit, same thing behind it, absolutely the same spirit, see, and so there was a conflict, and they came against the people of God, and it says, so, it's, it, so Babylon represents throughout the Bible, its meaning is, uh, it mean, the word Babylon means confusion, if any of you saw the movie 300, the people who were opposing him were the Assyrians, they were from Babylon, and you could see the occultic nature of what they had there. You read the story of, Dad, of Daniel. Dad built, was in Babylon. He was learning the ways of the occult arts. So do you understand? Babylon represents a spiritual kingdom. So it was a literal, physical place, like Zion was a literal, physical place. Zion was the place where God's presence came, where the power and the glory of God came, was the center of worship, and governing authority flowed out of there. But when they, when they turned against God, then now the kingdom of Babylon rose up against them and brought them into captivity. You, you, would, uh, you would know this song. By Bornean, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and we wept. What what caused them to weep? When we remembered Zion. And those, they said they required of us a song. How can we sing the song of the Lord in a strange land? So, so you notice it. It's full of meaning. It says, by the rivers of Babylon, it's seen, in other words, the river means the flow of life of Babylon. And it says we sat down. In other words, they're in a place of defeat. Sat down. Some people here be sitting down, spiritually speaking. There's no fire, there's no power, there's no life, there's no deep connection or relationship with God. You're by the rivers of Babylon. And you can actually tell. It says, notice what it says here, and it says, that it gives some things about the rivers of Babylon. I just need to move on. I'll finish it. But let me just, it said, it said, uh, he says, we sat down, we wept. So number one, there's passivity and bondage. Number two, there's grief. We wept at the loss, what we should have, but what's been taken away. And it says, we hanged our harps on the willow trees, meaning no worship, no gratitude, no praise. If you're a silent person, no praise, no gratitude, you're by the rivers of Babel. You
1: say,
0: oh, well, it's my history. Well, my, it's my culture. It's my It's my personality. Babylon because Zion's full of praise if you become Zion you become full of praise See?
1: It, says,
0: it says those who plundered it says, those who carried away captive asked of us a song those who plundered us requested mirth saying sing us one of the songs of Zion so they were mocked notice they were plundered they were in bondage they'd suffered loss loss of health loss of freedom loss of finances loss of marriage loss of family loss of business loss of opportunities suffered loss it says they were mocked. They required us to sing and look happy. Actually, the other thing too is that if you read through in 2 Kings 20, verse 17 and 18, they made all the people who served as priests in the house of God, they made all of them into eunuchs and made them serve their temple. And to be made a eunuch means your identity is taken away, your power to produce life is taken away. Now you understand then, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and we wept. We remembered the goodness of God and where we are now. Perhaps For some of you, that's where you are now. You need to rise up out of that place. We need to come out of that place of captivity. God wants us free from Babylon. I heard a voice in Revelations 18.4. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Come out of Babylon. What is Babylon today? Babylon has got many names it's used for in the Bible, but primarily it's religion any form of religion that is a substitute for relationship with god and brings you into bondage so babylon is not one religion babylon is the spirit of religion it means confusion because it sounds right but actually has poor fruit it brings confusion to people in in revelation it's called the mother of harlots in Revelation chapter 18 and 17 and 18, it says, it ruled over all the nations of the earth. You have a look, what's the key source of conflicts everywhere. It's primarily religious things behind it. People don't understand it, but it's it's not Zion, it's Babylon. It's Babylon, Babylon. It's another spirit. The 18 says that Babylon is a city full of unclean birds, caged birds. But God promises freedom. Let me just finish with a couple of things. Psalm 126 verse one, said, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. When you let God access your heart and set you free from whatever has taken you captive, it's like you were living in a dream. Suddenly you wake up. We're like them that dream. It says, them was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. One of the evidences that you're free from religion, free from captivity, is laughter, laughter, singing. No matter if you've got a hopeless voice, just sing anyway. See, we'll turn the music up, take the mic away, it's okay. Just sing, clap, whatever. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, mouth was singing then said they among the heathen in other words the lord has done great things for them so in other words you have a testimony god has changed my life god set me free from drugs god set me free from alcohol god set me free from my captivity the thing that was my substitute he set me free the lord has done great things whereof we're glad See, he said gladness joy praise rejoicing all of the evidences of spiritual freedom All evidences of being the Zion of God. But when there's heaviness and depression and bondages, then a part of our soul, not all of it, a part of us is trapped in Babylon. And God wants to set us free. I'll read one more verse and show you what you need to do. In Isaiah 52, this is what God says.
1: Awake! Awake! Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments,
0: O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the
1: unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise, sit down, loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. It's time to arise. Time to awake from captivity. Time as we begin a new year to break out of the things that held us back, to break out of whatever caused captivity to you last year. Time for you to do it. Align with the chief cornerstone. I lay in Zion. I put into your heart a cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. Whoever believes in him will never be ashamed. You'll not be ashamed if you trust Jesus Christ. You'll not be ashamed if you put your life in His hands. You'll not be ashamed if you believe His Word. God speaks to us clearly. Awake, awake, wake up. Wake up, wake up. Wake up out of your slumber. Wake up out of your spiritual apathy. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Wake up, wake up, up, church of the living God my city. Wake up. Wake up. Put on your strength. The Lord is the strength of my life. Connect to Him. Start to praise Him. Start to worship Him. Give yourself to Him again. Put on your strength. Put on your strength. Put on your beautiful garments. The garment of praise with the spirit of heaviness. I will praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Come on. Let me hear the sound. yourself from the dust shake it off shake off it shake it off sit down in heavenly places oh we worship you Jesus come on let's go on our feet let's become the Zion of God year, the Zion of God, to become a house of prayer, a house of holiness, a house of praise and worship, a house of miracles, a house of salvations, a house of deliverance, a house of miraculous provision, come on, let's worship, let's worship, let's worship, in Jesus' name, Let go the people of God. Let go the people of God. Let go the people of God. We release the favor of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We release the spirit of might, the spirit of prayer, the spirit of indecision, the spirit of praise and worship. Miracles. I release miracles in the house this year. 2020. 2020 highly blessed 2020 greater anointing 2020 miracles provision supernatural provision healings supernatural healings deliverance mighty deliverances unusual miracles Zion, the Lord has chosen Zion, he has decided for his habitation, this is my rest forever, here will I dwell, for the Lord has chosen Zion, I will bless her provision, I will bless her priests with salvation, oh hallelujah, then sit they among the heathen, the Lord has done Jesus great things. Name, I your will and purpose Lord we come near you pour out your grace I feel His presence being released this is the truth God is so good God is so 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 good oh yes God you're so good come on if you watch him online, come on, you need to worship Jesus. You need to purpose in your heart. If there's any area out of alignment with Jesus, repent right now. Align your life with him. Begin to commit to a life of prayer, fasting. Start to worship him. And why don't you celebrate with us right now? God is so good. He has done great things. Whereof we are glad. Blessing, blessing, enlargement of the kingdom of God. God. up and down, dance, sing. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. good. Jesus, you're so good.
0: A fantastic day, a fantastic week. We love you very much. You're part of a great church. Come and join us down at the park and have a great time down there. And remember who you are you're the Zion of the living God, whom He hath chosen. Highly favored, anointed, blessed of God. Live like that person. Amen. Amen.